0: And we are live just as you finished filling up your cup. <laughs> with, <laughs> with what I don't know, but um fresh root
1: beer. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say fresh, but it's root beer.
0: Root beer. Okay. Is it craft root beer or No, it's just AW. Okay.
1: Brand. No advertisements. You can't see that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're um, not
1: sponsored I, yet.
0: <laughs> uh I like the independence. It's it feels good. But does um, um, first of all, I it's official. I will be leaving the wonderful world of retail um, after ten long years. So th- uh, things should be settling into a little bit more of a normal schedule. It will be a Monday through Friday type of schedule. So. That'll leave more flexibility to get some stuff done, you know, on our end. And I kind of started the ball rolling on that. Instead of a podcast Monday, I I did post an article about three past media sins. Um, after seeing the accusations of fake news going about, um, I it brought to mind one particular individual in question, Kevin Mitnick, and how certain... Exaggerated things happened, as in the author in 1994, John Markoff wrote a front-page story t- to the New York Times, and and some of the claims kind of made were exaggerated. One of them being he allegedly attempted to break into a computer s- system for a bank to create create a and publish a false press release um actually watched the documentary freedom downtime and that one of the people interviewed basically said that that was actually tracked down to human error mitnick had nothing to do with it um there were all there were also claims that mitnick was the fbi's most wanted computer hacker which is was actually false he was on a us marshal's poster but that's not quite the same thing so <laughs> yeah. Um but there there were other couple of other examples. Uh the nextreport.com has uh, th- that up there now and you'll notice that uh SSL encryption works properly now, it, not just sometimes or what have you. Um finally got that working. So you got to have the right plugins and prevent prevent the htaccess file from being edited <laughs> behind your back which is what was happening so uh, so anyway um jumping right into the thick of things um and this is kind of a month old by now, but still interesting nonetheless. And in this election year where everything's just topsy-turvy, this little tidbit came out, you know, where we're ha- you have the feeling that it's almost like it wasn't supposed to happen, but it did anyway. <laughs> that kind of feeling. Um, it's,
1: that's the funny feeling that most developers get when they're looking at their code. <laughs> there's a meme out on the internet and I can I can share it here in a minute but it's, it says um, something about uh, like you're looking at this code I, wrote, I just wrote this code and it's not working and I don't understand why and then afterwards the code works and I don't understand why <laughs> it's hilarious
0: um, Microsoft is now a part of the Linux foundation. Um, they uh, swap null friend of mine um, actually wrote this article on CIO.com a month ago. And it was came off as the mentality of, if you can't beat them, you might as well join them. <laughs> uh, just think about it First, you know, it was largely ignored because it was a hobbyist thing, and then all of a sudden, uh, they they had you know, "quote unquote" legitimate fears regarding this during the whole antitrust lawsuit, and then Steve Ballmer referring to it as cancer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ballmer was cancer for Microsoft, I think, because ever since. I mean as weird as it is ever since they've started embracing open source and Linux uh, the things that Microsoft has been doing has been improving in terms of quality and performance and everything else it's
0: it's impressive and I think even Balmer is kind of softened after leaving the company so maybe he realized he was wrong on some things <laughs> um but uh from from that you know uh, for those who are wondering, which we'll kind of talk about a little bit later um I may be considering a crossover office subscription just to be able to run office three sixty five um and office twenty sixteen um and unfortunately I'd I'll have to consider that because well, as soon as they get that part working, but I'd have to consider it because according to Swapnil, and I I cannot pronounce that man's last name to save my life. Um during, you know, his you know, during his, you know, conversations. Um <laughs> From what I gathered, the feeling that came out of it was, you know, Linux is mainly a developer platform. That even Canonical is kind of backed away from user, from, you know, consumer space. Although, you know, I'm running Ubuntu on this desktop and it can be used as a consumer product quite easily. It's mainly seen as a development platform. Um where their fo- Microsoft's focus on is cloud and mobile. And, and, you know, the side note, did you see the um, video regarding the um, computer as a prototype with a Qualcomm processor in it with uh, Windows um, 10 64-bit and ARM build of it? No, I don't think I even heard about that. Um, I mean, I barely, heard
1: Microsoft trying to create a build, but I didn't know they actually had it running on something.
0: Um, windows 10 enterprise edition. It, um, uh, Qualcomm actually had a video of this. Probably have to find it and put it in the show notes later. It just popped into my head. Um, basically their way of trying to come up with a way to have, you know, computers or, you know, combo systems with really good battery life. And here's, and here's the kicker. Um, This thing's supposed to have an X86 compatibility layer um, as an, an emulation layer to where you can run win 32 applications without modifying them. (laughs) Oh, Um, I'm thinking next year they may, may we may hear more about it, but uh, that's I think that may be part of their mobile strategy. That and let's face it, they they've got Facebook and Windows 10, but beyond things like that, the app ecosystem isn't quite there yet. That's why you don't see as many things about Windows. 10 or Windows phones anymore. App ecosystem just wasn't there. So I'm guessing they're going to focus on tablet or combination two-in-one devices and then maybe down the road slowly bring that back in when it's ready for prime time. But um, figured I'd throw that out there. It just popped into my head. But you've been playing with, with something that they also made available for multiple platforms, Visual Studio Code, which I I ran for five seconds in the past, played with it, and, and sure enough, some of this stuff popped up saying, hey, you need to correct this. Apparently, my HTML is out of date. <laughs> you have to it's declare... Yeah. You have to de- fully declare that it's an HTML file, which I'm like, huh. And it's the exclamation point doc type. Yeah.
1: It, that that part, that piece varies dep- uh, depending on which version of HTML you're wanting to code for. Um, there's different ones. There's, uh, now we're not, I have HTML5 now and for HTML5 it's just the doc type specification I'm just HTML, that's it it's the simplest one but if you're doing HTML4 or 4.01 it's that and then there's a URL for a specific thing <coughs> or a parameter I forgot what it was and then if if it's XHTML, which is a very strict version of HTML 4.01, it's not lenient at all. If you make a little tiny mistake, the browser won't try to figure it out and correct it for you. It will full-on not even load the page. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I messed with XHTML a little bit when I was coding in um, uh, Dreamweaver from Adobe. Uh,
0: But, you know, with, like with the Visual Studio I noticed the IntelliSense popping up to a point. Although I'm not quite underst although, you know, I don't code on a regular basis, but you know, just typing text I, I would I'm not sure I'd see the use in IntelliSense play on a regular basis if you're primarily typing text in a code editor, but it might come in handy if somebody might see it as a time saver. You said you were playing with it. Um, Anything you like about it, dislike about it? There's things I dislike about it, but
1: um, one of the things that I really like about it, here, I'll I'll share my screen with um, news here, application window. and
0: and if you see me turn my head a little bit, I'm looking at the other monitor.
1: I'll just share all the windows that I have open right now.
0: Okay, so
1: 42 monitors nice for this, but anyway, I should have this project up that I've been tinkering with, trying to get some uh, OpenGL stuff to run. I'm having some trouble with this line here, but so. One of the features that uh, Visual Studio Code supports is the ability to go in here and set up a debug uh, debug perspective or uh, specification for whatever type of language you're using. So right now I have I've downloaded the Python extension, which right here, these are the ones that I have installed. Here's the Python extension. I've downloaded that so that way I can support, because it supports debugging. And this is a very, very, very lightweight text editor, but it's mostly it's kind of a IDE at the same time. Um, so, in order to support the debugging, you have to create a launch.json file with this this type of text. It has all these uh, parameters, and the, the, like the name, what kind of type it supports, and then the path to your Python and some other things that are. A lot of this is filled. This is 100% default. All I had to do was um, when I went in here. I think what I did was I clicked that. Yeah, this does, what this does is generates a configuration, and you can have multiple too to support like things like. Uh, uh, Whereas Django and then Flask, which are both web um, web containers for running web apps with Python. And you can run them right directly through Visual Studio Code. So since I have this configuration set up here, I can go into some of my code here. And I'll run it, but it's not going to (laughs) run. So I'll go in here to debug, click this. And you have to do it on the file that you have open. There's a little funky thing about that. But then uh, there's shortcut keys for things like this. This is just to continue on. Where this is to step over and then this is to step into and out of functions so I'm just going to continue on and run over this it's going to load these are just import statements in Python but it fully supports debugging so if I had another I'll get to this point down I'll just go to here I know it's going to set up the window so I hit f9 to continue oh it straight up blew up Oh, it's blown up on this line here, I think, on that import. But either way, you can see that it supports debugging. It's, it's actually really powerful and really nice. I, I've lo- I love it so far for the debugging. But <clears throat> from, from that perspective, I have another editor that, I, that you can really compare it to, which is called Atom, which is completely. How did it open in that directory this week? It's completely hackable. And configurable, and from that perspective, Visual Studio Code almost matches it. But as far as I'm aware, Atom does not support debugging. So that's that's the one thing that I like about this compared to Atom, which I've used a lot recently at work. So, but that's my perspective on. It. And I th- I think it's actually very powerful, and it's. A, oops. Oh, through my keyboard there. It scared me, but I think it's uh, I think it's pretty pretty powerful, and it supports multiple languages too. It supports more things than just Python. You can also debug JavaScript once you find the extension and stuff like that.
0: It also has uh, Git fu- support built in, right? Because yeah, I I didn't know so that.
1: But this project that I have here doesn't have a uh, uh, Git. Um, it isn't loaded into Git right now. I do have a project that i was messing with that work with this. I can pull it in, actually. Ooh. Apparently it doesn't want to load right now.
0: But so for for those who just want to you know, crank out code. It might be something worth looking at. Oh, absolutely. And and of course, for those who want to run it for run this for five seconds, to be like, "Yay, it it exists." Um, which, um, of course, one of, one of the one of the downsides to this on the windows side is apparently uh malware authors have been taking advantage of powershell scripts to spread their stuff all around but hey at least it's available on linux too <laughs> as an alpha build so not everything's there i managed to get it installed ran it yep there's the copyright notice and I'm in a PowerShell session I'm like, yay. And then I exited shortly afterwards because I saw no point um, in it and um, unless, unless you have it feature complete enough to where you just change your default shell to PowerShell. But, Interesting anecdote is that on uh, Ubuntu on Windows, you can actually run that session through a PowerShell session, too. So, um, kind of cool, I guess. But because uh, basically, when you're when you're running Bash on Ubuntu on Windows, it's you know you're basically You click the link, and bam, it pops up. It's basically a glorified DOS window jumping into a simulated Linux session where it's just a copy of Ubuntu utilizing, you know, Windows that basically pretends to be a Linux kernel, sort of like how Wine works actually that's exactly how wine works pretending it's a windows kernel <laughs> just translating it to as necessary um you said have you ever used powershell
1: no not um, hardly i try to <laughs> avoid it it's it to me it's not much different i mean i've used it a very tiny bit but to me it's not too much different than uh, Man prompt, which is archaic and sluggish and terrible in my opinion. So <laughs> I, I apply the same opinion to PowerShell. I use Git Bash at work every day, and I use Bash, I mean, obviously Linux. So I'm just more accustomed to
0: Bash. And uh, I can use it too. It's just, <laughs> I'm like, hell, it's like, wonder what it looks like. Nope, it doesn't pop up in its own window. You have to have a command prompt window open a for ver- a terminal window open in order to run it. <laughs> like interesting. Like, Oh, well, but yeah, I saw it. it. It, the font even looks exactly as it does on windows. So I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Tried a few of the commands told myself there's, no point beyond this, and I exited out of it <laughs> so but but those are just like two examples of technologies that have been released where you in this case with PowerShell, you actually can look at the source code if you want to um, they they even have a you know learn more about this on a GitHub page. And so it's... So who knows? uh, Maybe somebody will basically extend the hell out of this and make it into something that would be useful and people could put pride in. I don't know. Um, But I'm assuming that... It would be perfect if if somebody was logging into a Windows server or something from, a, from afar and <laughs> running scripts or something so they don't have to change devices or operating systems or whatever. Right now, I don't see the point in it, but kind of cool that they did that. And speaking of which... Um, Crossover Office 16 is finally out. Um, they support Office 2013. In um, a comment on a previous blog entry, they said they were working on 2016 as well, and that's you know part of the reason why I'm considering it because uh, Word I don't mind. Um, I use Outlook a lot too. And I, you know, I like being able to just stay on the same system without jumping back and forth between systems all the time. But um, are, are you a 365 subscriber? No, I don't hardly use
1: Microsoft Office. If I need any document editing and stuff like that, <clears throat> I primarily use Google Docs actually. It's simple and easy. You the only place I use Microsoft Office is at work. And that's because it's already installed on my PC at work, so I don't need, <laughs> I don't need to worry about that.
0: Like, do they, do they use an Enterprise Edition of, like, 365, or is it just... No, it's, stand- it's
1: 2010 right now. <laughs> uh, They're pretty archaic. We're still running Windows 7, too. Which well, is not necessarily a bad
0: thing. Nah. <laughs> Other than the fact that it's Windows. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but, but lately, you know, the, this release apparently supports um, 64-bit Windows applications, too. So that's exciting. Um, and... And like i said i I don't mind Microsoft Office at all it's they they've improved that product greatly, and I still you open up LibreOffice. I use Google Docs as well. I'm kind of a hipster when it comes to software <laughs> i guess um, but yeah there there i know there there are some out there who like use Ubuntu or Desktop Linux and are like, well, I want office compatibility too, and what have you. And I'm, and again, if I if it comes to getting a subscription to Crossover, which I I had a free one for like a year because somebody wanted me to review something called uh, iMagic OS or something like that which was custom customized KDE three on top of Ubuntu based and all that good stuff. That was years ago. Mm -hmm. And, And basically I was trying to find out if, if them selling a copy of it and quote unquote, including a copy of crossover office was legal. Um, It was more of a gray area because what the guy would do is if you purchased a copy of this thing, right, he would turn around, use some of that money to get you an individual license to crossover, and the key would wind up in your email and everything else. Because it was being touted as you know consumer friendly, you could run your Windows apps and all that good stuff. I don't think it's. I think this thing is defunct now. I can actually look pretty quickly if it is, or no. it again? iMagic OS. That's right. it, it's. Oh my god. That website still exists, <laughs> and and it's has nothing to do with that. But I guess the
1: video site is
0: what it looks like now. Yep, I think it is gone now. <laughs> Yeah, if I think it's gone now. <clears throat> like the I'm Magic OS 10 page still pops up. And this and yeah, this, this was that used KDE 3.5. Yeah, this thing is obsolete. <laughs> yep, it it's done. Um <laughs> but yeah, it was semi-controversial at the time and and then it just basically disappeared. I don't think people were really interested too much in doing that because really if they wanted to all they would have had to have done was install Kubuntu and then purchase a crossover subscription. But I looked at it Interface looks looked somewhat interesting, but I never really could get myself into it or anything like that at all. But like, you know, have you ever tried crossover? No, I've never used it.
1: Actually I've used, I've used wine in the past <clears throat> to run some games and stuff like that on, on older versions of Ubuntu which would have been ten point oh four now I think is what I was trying to run it on. Either that or 11, 11.04 point oh four. It's been a while. It was when it, it was before Unity, before the days of Unity. So, oh yeah.
0: Yeah I I I ran I run wine when I when I try to levelate the audio because because the Linux edition which was targeted for Ubuntu nine point o four or something like that, and basically the code was badly maintained on that front, but it but it's uh but the Windows binary does work fine on wine on this edition of Ubuntu it still works but um and, and actually. I remember emailing the people behind it saying, look, uh, is there any chance that the source code of this can be opened up so that people can maintain this? And I was directed towards somebody from you know, some other software company and being told you'll be wasting your breath. And then the guy said, uh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we've been talking about that. And that was over a couple of years ago which which tells me that I was told that just so I would go away. <laughs> so I may be contacting that person again saying, you know, long time ago I asked about this. Are there any updates on this? If not, what would it take for it to happen? Um be, because let's let's be honest. A lot of that stuff, yeah, you could probably do in Audacity, but it saves so much time and and so much effort. And since they're not, you know, maintaining this thing anymore, why not just release the source code and let other people mess with it? and just keep it up to date. But that's, yeah, that's my two cents on that. Anything else development-wise you've been doing or not really?
1: Not really, just kind of tinkering with some, trying to get OpenGL working with Python and kind of figuring out how uh, that works. There's definitely different than coding in C and C++, um, but, other than that I've been I've been fooling around with a project to keep my mind or yeah fooling around with the project to keep my mind up and going it's called uh, if if you want to get into code it's all mathematical problems that can easily be solved with code and then they progressively get easier it's called project Euler okay and it's uh it's really nice you can just you don't have to register if you don't want you can just go in and look at the problems and then uh, Do one and then there's there's solutions online to check to check to see if what you've done is actually correct Like the first the first problem is really easy to do It says if we list all the natural numbers below ten that are multiples multiples of three or five we get three five six and nine the sum of these multiples is 23. Then it tells you to do the same thing for the multiples of 3 and 5 for all numbers below 1,000. So you just can write some code to do that pretty simply.
0: Well, that's... Uh, and that's basically a good way of uh, keeping a developer's mind sharp and, and improving their math skills in terms of understanding and implementing rules. Oh yeah. Cause that, cause I mathematics, that's, I think the biggest secret of it, even though I lost the, most of that base a long time ago is the biggest secret to mathematics is it may seem arcane to a lot of people or like magic, but, uh, and that, that if you are not good at math, you can't code. That's not true. That's not
1: true at all because I had trouble with higher level um, calculus type mathematics. And if you can get if you can get past some of the basics of calculus and some of the um, basics or some of the advanced math, if you can get through the classes, once you keep practicing with it, you'll definitely get better. And it's some of it comes real easy, and a lot of it's just concepts. So. Now, now I still can't do a proof to save my life. <laughs> I try to do like uh, proof. like I can say that to get to get a, for, for example, the Fibonacci sequence, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It goes 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, uh, 13, 21, 34, 55, and so on and so forth. There's actually a calculation that you can do to get that. You proven all the way through And there's There's a proof to do that But I can't do it at all
0: And and the The big secret is Know what the rules are and how they function And in the case of programming Code it properly In terms of calculations That's what the system is there for Is to do that heavy lifting So so if you know the, what the rules are supposed to be and you know how to implement that, you can just basically tell the computer, okay, I want you to do this for me. Um, basically,
1: that's, that's, that's what it boils down to. There's, there's a site out there that um, there's actually tutorial videos on YouTube. I, I've only looked at a little bit of them. It really doesn't benefit me much, but for someone who's trying to get into programming and who's just interested in it and wants to kind of learn about it, it's, it's excellent for getting into it. And it, it's called Automate the Boring Things with Python. And what it does is it's a guy that's just kind of talking about programming in general and stuff like that and that how programming, simple programming for stuff like this, which doesn't have to be math-heavy, it's usually you're better off if you have a great understanding of mathematics and stuff like that. But uh, what it's trying to tell you to do is that there's things that you do in your everyday life, especially if you're an office worker, you're sitting at your desk, you're doing, doing something, or if you do a lot of calculations or if you do a lot of uh, repetitive tasks, he suggests that instead of repeating those tasks all the time, especially if they can be done by a computer, Write the code to do that, because then you can go in and say, "Hey, I have this program." Regardless of how well you've written it or whatever, as long as it accomplishes the task, that's the that's the end goal. If you can go in and you can code this, then you're automating all those tasks that you normally have to repeat every morning or every day or whatever it is. This particular day, you go in and do that, and then, boom, you've saved yourself a ton of time that you can sit there and either not do anything or learn more about programming if you really get into it. It's it's extremely beneficial. It also teaches you to be lazy.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: that's just a benefit.
0: <laughs> oh. No. And, 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 speaking and speaking of all, all the, all the things, things. things. Oh crap. oh crap, I'm, I'm echoing. <laughs> <laughs> I hear myself in my headphones, or I heard myself for a second there.
1: I think it's gone now.
0: That's good. Um, I recently upgraded my router, it is plugged in and it's doing its thing. I was, and it has something called ReadyShare where you plug in. Something in the USB port and you can share it throughout your network. Of course, it's aimed at Windows, but there's a way of getting it opened up in Linux as well. And I don't believe I have this mounted because I probably don't have it mounted at all. Does it create it as a network file system or does it create it as a Samba share? I I had to do it through Samba and I don't remember what the I don't remember what it was, but that's alright, because I don't really, I have plenty of disk space here, it's just if I want to zap it somewhere It's good for having a centralized backup
1: location, especially if you have a lot of PCs.
0: Oh yeah and and plus I and fortunately, it's not one of those versions of Netgear routers that's vulnerable to um, rogue scripts either. Because I actually tested that, and I'm like, nope. Give me a 404 error message, which told me that nope, it's not vulnerable. It, the Nighthawk, some of the Nighthawk routers are vulnerable to this thing. Which is bad. I'm like, which is good thing I didn't go whole hog on upgrading to a super high powered smart router. This is more of a lower end smart router, which because it, it kind of listed it's MIPS processor, not very much RAM, but don't need that much RAM for it, especially if you don't if you don't really push it that hard. I just needed something that has a bit better range. so. And so far, it seems to have better range, at least better speed for wireless. Because the one I had plugged in was like, had it since 2011? It was over five years old. So... Figured after that much time, I better update it before malware hits it and destroys it. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with the old one. If I just use it as an access point or what in another room, but there'd be no point. Or if I just set it back to factory and just Give it away at at Salvation Army or something, but but yeah, I, just the concept of being able to share that stuff. And it, I think has a five G band too. It's dual band, so I haven't connected it to the five gigahertz anything to the five gigahertz at all. I because I'm not going to really get that much higher speeds where I'm at. So
1: It'd only be more beneficial for if you have <clears throat> large storage attached to your router, then you can transfer those files at a much more rapid rate. It's not going to benefit your actual internet connection too much.
0: Fair enough. Unfortunately. But, good news is it's there if i need it not going to really use it though like there's there's no benefit for it but figured it would have a little bit better range at the very least a little bit more powerful some point i'll i'll down the road i'll get something that can you know practically go for almost an entire block or something <laughs> if if such a thing exists or just get one of those extenders and, and call it a day <laughs> I still haven't opened up the new monitor I've gotten and I still haven't checked that uh, tower that I bought for like five bucks to see if it powers on at all <laughs>
1: You might check make sure it works. Maybe you can upgrade the hardware. Um,
0: at the very least, there's parts in there that can be salvaged. But, um, But, yeah, I've got plenty to do. And with new employment coming up, I'll be able to have more time for that. So, oh, just two more nights after this. Because, honestly, I wasn't anticipating being like, oh, I'm not going to start this new thing till next year. But, no, no, I, I get to start before the end of the year. So. That's awesome. And the best part is, um, former, soon-to-be former employer, I have approximately 250, give or take a few hours of paid time off left.
1: That is ridiculous. That's going to be a nice payout.
0: well what had happened was I had two weeks of vacation from last year that got converted to that so so I was still accumulating that from the beginning the others from beginning of the year and it was then just made available to me right as you know those 80 hours were converted over and then I went on vacation couple times but it wasn't for it was you know onesies twosies it gave me you know I timed it right to where it didn't take too terribly many hours but in the meantime I didn't use much of the other PTO I generated so what wound up happening is I have this much now I thought I would stop accumulating. But I guess it's it depends on how many hours you worked as well. So, And if I had gone to where I didn't start until next year and didn't end until next year, what would have happened is 80 of it would carry over and then the rest would have been paid out first check in February. Well... I didn't want to wait for that to be split up so I timed it just right. <laughs> my my timing was fantastic on this. So
1: <laughs> I'd say so.
0: The the final pay won't happen till the end of the month, but but by then I'll already be having some income from the new job. At least I hope so. Or at least, you know, basically get on the payroll so that the ball can get rolling. So that when I get the final pay, um, then I'll be able to figure things out. I also have to figure out 401k, health savings account, getting those moved over, or what to do with them. Health savings account will be with me for the rest of my life I just won't be able to contribute to it anymore unless I have a qualified high deductible plan Mm -hmm. and new employment there's like they pay $4.27 an hour towards all of that meaning I get to keep more of my pay in the end so so in all honesty, if I really wanted to, I'd, I'd have to probably find a way to change custodians in the whole night and yards and go from there and be like, I just want to change my custodian because I'm in a new place of employment and call my current custodian and go, okay, how do I go about this? and And then go from there. Because oh man who knows it might even be automated which will make my life easier because like what will happen is whatever is left goes into a retirement fund basically because they can't give it to you directly because of the nature of that type of employment but it, it's it's a pretty swell thing so I'm looking forward to more future episodes.
1: We'll definitely be able to get together more on the weekend when I don't have to work and you don't have to work, and we can maybe even crank out a couple episodes instead so of just doing one at a time. And oh yeah, spend a little bit more time on planning things too.
0: Oh yes, and definitely get to experiment with this thing.
1: Is that an HDMI adapter.
0: Uh, USB to VGA actually. Oh okay. Um, because like my friend Randy, I want to see if I can have like monitors stacked on shelves or something. And (laughs) no, he literally, um, he literally at his office, um, you know, has like the, you know, in front of him is a big monitor to the sides or more monitors on the top or more monitors (laughs) <laughs> it, it's insane.
1: That's not insane.
0: Yeah, I, I suggested him um, to because he has like these expensive um, VGA adapters, not like this cheapo thing that um, it's probably only meant for like one or two monitor, additional monitors. You might not even work with two. That would
1: be my worry.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because um, he he plugged, you know, he was able to have like six monitors or so with the ones he had, which is why I suggested to him to use a powered USB hub, one that plugs into a wall outlet for additional <coughs> power, and see if that works. Because if it does that will put less strain on a power supply, meaning the power supply won't fizzle out on you. Which I think that may have been what happened to one of his systems. Mm-hmm. Um, because one day it quit powering on and then, then I looked at it and nope, the power supply was shot. And I'm like hmm, and thinking back now, I'm thinking that put too much of strain on it, which is why I've been thinking about upgrades on both towers. But, and there are four gigabyte video cards out there that can operate on a 300-watt power watt power supply. But even that would be pushing it. <laughs> so, um, at some point, I'll have to... Get newer equipment and relegate the older equipment to something else. But that's – I haven't crossed that br- – I haven't arrived at that bridge to cross it yet, so that'll be a little while. Yeah. But um, I guess better end this show before we both fall asleep, though. <laughs> it has been run for a little bit. Yes, it Yes, it has. Um, any, any future plans, ideas? Um, because uh, as of 7 a.m. Saturday morning, uh, most Saturdays, most Saturdays, definitely all Sundays, I'll have a lot of time free.
1: I'm not sure. Well, be- we'll definitely have to put some time into like bouncing ideas off back and forth and. I'm running thin right now because my brain's been focused at work all day, so it's kind of fried right now. Oh, my goodness. Usually when I come home, I like to just fizzle out and let my brain go dead for a little bit.
0: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Before we go, I want to give a shout-out to Curtis because he did the one thing that kind of surprised me. Pleasant surprise. Um, he is going to be studying computer science. So um, the 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 message regarding mathematics and software development, you don't have to be totally super good at high-level math. That's what the machine's there for. You just have to know what the rules are and how it's supposed to work and how to write really really decent code in order to um, – because if you can do that, the computer will do the rest of the work for you. But I hope you do well in the, that. That um, being – Happy belated birthday. Don't forget that. Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely happy belated birthday to you, man. Um, and hopefully – Hopefully those studies of yours pay off. Um, if you do the whole developer or DevOps or whatever, that actually can. How, I, I how much free time does it leave your job leave you?
1: Yeah,
0: off and on, it depends on the day.
1: <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> we recently made a change to what we're doing for deployments, so. Now instead of waiting 15 minutes per node of a particular server, I'm only going to be waiting five minutes, so I don't get to goof off for that extra 15 minutes. But usually, uh, lately, I've been kind of running out of things to do, so I'll sit there and then play around with Project Euler a little bit and code some more and keep my brain focused and keep working. And
0: like, then I need to get some code to work on. Like like weekend wise, like. How much time outside of work do you, do you actually get to have to yourself? Oh, weekends.
1: Yeah, I, I have not had to work on a weekend, with the exception of one when we had a pretty nasty production problem happen after a storage upgrade for our servers. But other than that, I don't. I don't ever work on weekends,
0: which would leave you know that those type of fields. Um, and I often leave you weekends to basically enjoy nature and, and everything else? Um, I've noticed, you know, uh, people who work in tech actually enjoy nature quite a bit, and they they on their vacations you see pictures of them, you know, whether fishing, whether it's uh, just being outside in general. So. I I th- I have a good feeling about this one. So, um, you know, keep at it and hopefully, you know, something awesome comes out of it. Um, until next time, entertain yourself, educate yourself, empower yourself. And I'm looking forward to the future. Peace. See you guys.